It doesn't help that the ending is downright sensible, not after all the mad grandeur we've just glimpsed. I left impressed by Miller's world, but unconvinced by his message. I wanted even longer for more. That's a Matthew Lacona of National Review talking about our new movie this week here on Cinephile. 3,000 years of longing. It's from the director of Mad Max Fury Road, George Miller, who also co-wrote the script. Much different film. It's starring Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. Our old movies this week, as promised, a William Hurt retrospective. Broadcast news, 35th anniversary, and the big chill next year, 40th anniversary. Uh, one of our many followers on Twitter messaged me, you got to watch Body Heat. That's true. Body Heat, definitely quintessential William Hurt. Kathleen Turner, I do have to watch that at some point. And uh, as far as our wild card, that's right. Up in the air with Claire. Claire Atkins is back. Although Cody apparently new to the show. You, you asked me, he goes, Claire with us for the whole show? You know this. The segments are self-contained, right? Rags time, Scott Rogowski, one segment. Dance dancing, every man. Claire just gets her own segment. You want the I, whole show. I think it's fun, though. Like, you know, with the way you do the show, talking about movies. Like, I, like, I, like a guy like Rags or Claire. Like, sometime we should try it. Bring him in for the whole episode. Like, a little co-host situation. Like, hey, Claire's with us today. Yeah. She's going to hear. Like, you're going to still do your thing. But I don't know. Like, just throwing it out there. I like your All style, right. but we could, you know, try well, it out. Fair enough. We can go maybe just, last time with Claire, we, we should have had her back on sooner. You guys have a good chemistry, so I, I, I'm excited that she's back. Yeah. Uh, one thought before we dive in, as always, uh, make sure you listen to Dan Lebertard's show where you can hear Chris Cody and friends. Our boss, John Skipper, making an appearance. Love the fact, and I've said this before, that Machine Gun Kelly should get a name change, considering what we're dealing with, with gun violence. But how about Skipper's point? He thought Machine Gun Kelly was the name of a 30s gangster. Terrific <laughs> point by Skipper. Uh, I think it is. I think there was. I think that might be where Machine Gun Kelly got his name, right? There yeah. actually is. Because Skipper definitely does not know the singer, who was obviously with Megan Fox. But you're right. That would make sense as far as an origin story. That is just something he would say, even if it wasn't true. This sounds like an old... Uh, yeah, dude, we just had limited fake. We have Sui's this week, and your limited fake, John Skipper. I think it made the cut. Did it? Okay, I, I, it, it damn well better. I must we tell had you. a lot, a lot of nominees this year, so there were some things that were last-minute cuts, but I believe you made it. I, if it doesn't make the cut, I'm going to send a voice message to Skipper and like, John, how good is this? Like, tell me this doesn't make the cut. And I could not play you as a limited fake. I must tell you, and then I was very impressed. You went to Charleston. Uh, you know, I'm a North Carolina man, but Charleston is wonderful. It is, you know, Skipper's favorite active spectacular. If you have a conversation, yeah. he, he will say spectacular. Like, if I talk broadcast news, I, I must admit, Albert Brooks is spectacular. Uh, I thought he was wonderful in the film. Anyways, make sure you check out the big suey. Um, I wanted to get into the fact it's Labor Day, so that means that school is over. We are now back to school. Um, obviously, it's different for Cody down there in Florida, but for all of us here and everyone goes, all right, what does it mean now that fall is coming? Football's here. Uh, Cody's got three fantasy football pools. We're going to get pennant races here in baseball. As far as the watermelon, that's coming to an end right now. The beach weather is over, but my farewell to... To summer, in many ways, is the U.S. Open. So I had to take my kids to go to the U.S. Open. Veteran move here, though. I talked to my buddy Sanford. He goes, you can't park there. I said, why not? He goes, Mets Dodgers. Are you kidding? He goes, the Mets are right there where the Billie Jean King Tennis Center is. It's going to take you. He goes, it took me an hour just to park. So I pulled the veteran move. And I don't know how the public transit is in Miami. I don't think it's great. How is the public transit there? We're working on it. We're, we're working, working on a bright line. Like it's We're trying better. to get to a point where we have it. <laughs> yes. My, my belief in the past is that it's been suspect, but they're, they're improving. They're doing their best. Um, so... Obviously, the New York City area is known for very good transit. So I, I parked in Queens, 61st Street. I'm like, oh, I'm parking the street, fine. Go to a parking meter. You can only pay with a New York City parking car. Didn't know that existed. Obviously, don't have one. Or exact change. Now, the meter reads $1.50 for an hour, $4 for two hours. And I stared at it, Cody, for 10 seconds. I go, $1.50 for an hour, $4 for two hours. The math does not add up. Clearly, you just only want people to park for an hour. You, right. you, you're charging them inflation to stay longer on the streets of New York City. Okay, I'm fine. Only takes exact change. I'm like, I'm looking around, corner store, now, all right, there's a laundromat. Go to the laundromat. Hey, I just need some change because I can't help you out. I go, no, I just need quarters. It's for the meter. He's like, I go, I need 16 quarters. He's like, what? I go, it's a two-hour parking. After seven, it's free. I'm going to the U.S. Open. I got my kick. Like, he goes, you'll have to buy it. I'm like, what? He goes, you'll have to buy a roll of quarters. I go, all right. So I paid $10 for a roll of quarters. I'm like, I came in the last time. I, I feel I'm in a bank right now. Okay, six. How much? Quarters. Wait, how much is in a roll? Five dollars worth? Ten dollars worth. Okay, so you, oh, so you're not really buying it. You're just yeah, exchange trading. It, it. Yeah, trading. <laughs> but it just looked amusing to go get a roll of quarters. All right, ten bucks yeah. roll of quarters, good. New York City subway, two seventy five one way. But kids are free. He goes, oh, just go underneath the turnstile. I'm like, yes, that's that's a win. All right, so ends up <laughs> being illegal. But, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't sure. The guy goes, oh, trust me, the kids are fine. He goes, go under the turnstile. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever you say, sir, no problem. <laughs> so at least the kids get to ride the New York City train. 
As we like to discuss the price of food here, I've talked about Canada's Wonderland grilled cheese. Chris knows the whole story. Take a guess now. U.S. Open, baby. Here we go. I'm checking out Danielle Collins, the American, and my boy, Denise Shapovalov. Shapovalov. Um, I'm going to go pizza. I'll describe it to you. It's kind of like a Pizza Hut pan pizza, a little bit bigger. What do you think the price is at the U.S. Open? Well, you're building it up, so it's, I'm, I'm thinking expensive. Pan pizza, I'm going to go $10. $18. Oh, God. <laughs> $18 for the margarine cheese pizza. Like, you're just, you're just getting punched <laughs> in the face with stupidity of these prices. And, of course, is that going to satisfy a 44-year-old man, an 11-year-old boy, and a 5-year-old boy? Of course not. We need two. That's $36 Oof. for two little pan pizzas. Okay. How about an ice cream bar? It's not a Haagen-Dazs, but it looks like a Haagen-Dazs. Ice cream bar. What do you got on that? Uh, six bucks. Good guess, eight fifty. Okay. Young Shaz, five years old, takes a few bites. I look over, I'm like, wow, you finished that quickly, buddy. He points in the floor. I'm like, that's where the ice cream bar is. I'm like, okay, before you scream or cry, dad'll get you another one. We're gonna get you a cup this time. How about I get you a cup? No ice cream bar. Get you a cup of ice cream? No problem. Okay, so that's seventeen dollars. Oh. And one of those is on the floor. Okay, no, but hey, how about a large Coke? Take a guess at a large Coke. And here's the good news. You get <laughs> you know this. I'm sure they do this at Marlins games. If you pay a little extra, you get the souvenir cup. How mm. much for a souvenir cup? Oh, large this, cup? I was gonna guess before the souvenir cup, I was gonna guess seven fifty. So I'll go ten dollars with the cup. Tell you what, Cody's ready to buy a lottery ticket. It's seven fifty regular price with the souvenir cup, nine fifty. Let's oh, go. Oh wow, look at me. Yeah, so I felt great. I go, hey, under ten dollars for a large Coke and I get the cup. They go, Yeah, yeah great. That's so. the best deal of the whole place. <laughs> Fantastic. How much did uh, like I assume like uh, Serena tickets? would be really expensive like what's the difference like how much do you pay for tickets compared to if you were going to Serena great question so I went Arthur Ashe of course is the main stadium where Serena's going to play Federer Djokovic Nadal all the stars of course Fed and Djokovic not there I looked before the tournament started cheap seats at Ash, which is the 300 level so for us as baseball fans it'd be like the 500 level the cheapest ticket for any by the way tennis event like tennis is not cheap 50 bucks wow. now night one once they announce it's Serena cheapest ticket you're up in the 500s again $350. Oh, it works per night. So you, yeah. you pay for a night ticket and you just get to watch all the action. Correct. Okay. So the better fi- I guess that would make sense that they're not filing everyone out of there in between <laughs> matches. Yeah, I've, It's the one sporting event. I've never been to a major tennis match. It's like, yeah. I, I it's on my bucket list. I really want to go to a good tennis match. I'm going to no. go to the Miami Open eventually. Oh, no, you'd love it. And you're right. The key is that if, like, it's not cheap. You pay 100 bucks for the day session, but then you can stay from 11 a.m. till 7 p.m. You can watch like six different matches if you want. Yeah. Similarly, night session, you're not getting as many, but then you're getting the stars like you're gonna get serena yeah. you're gonna get like i said nadal whatever you can still midnight if you want so cool event definitely check out the miami open and uh, had fun there at the u.s open despite the inflated prices let's talk a little movies shall we and by the way we'll get to claire in just a second she's going to talk about a few things there's some controversy coming out of the venice film festival and major news chris and i talked about the whale which she believed was the Dan Lepetard story that is not true, but it is a movie starring Brendan Fraser. That's where Fraser. I used that joke. I was Dan mentioned in today's Lepetard show the whale, and I was like, where did I make that whale joke? I was like, that was a good joke wherever I did that. It was cinephile. There it is. Exactly. Bring it back. I'm sure Dan brought it because it got a six-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival. And Rave he's reviews. like weeping and stuff. Yeah. Like, I get it. Crying. Was, well, get ready because it's going to be a lot of Brendan Fraser weeping at these award shows. It looks like he's uh, definitely going to get an Oscar nomination the way this is going. So we'll talk to Claire about that and all the rest of it. Chris is already tired of Brendan Fraser getting his moment back in the sun. Uh, let's talk about... Do bedazzled th- again. That's, uh, then you'll impress me. <laughs> That's the key. If I see Brendan Fraser, first movie that comes to mind, you go bedazzle, I'm going The Mummy. After oh, that, there's, there's... Yeah, The Mummy was more powerful. I just love, man, bedazzled and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The bad, he gets to live a bunch of different lives. That was just a bad movie that I loved growing up. <laughs> bedazzled. Elizabeth Hurley's the devil, right? I, I do remember yes. that's the right movie. And he okay. gets like seven wishes or something. And he <laughs> keeps trying to recreate his life, so he ends up with some woman. But every time he does it, he just, it's just he realizes that he should have just stayed in his original body. I got to rewatch Bedazzled. I, I've definitely seen it, but now... Um, this works out perfectly, though. Speaking of magic, 3,000 Years of Longing is our new film this week. It's about a lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul discovering a jinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. It is from George Miller. That's right. You hear George Miller's name. You go, wow, that's Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. But this is not an action extravaganza. This is a fantasy film. It's not a genre that I'm particularly fond of. But because of George Miller's name, I said, I got to go see it. So Tilda Swinton, who is, of course, classic older British actress. She plays Alethea, who is your bookish professor 
her. She's there in Istanbul, in Turkey, doing her thing. And then all of a sudden, one day, uh, she finds this artifact in a store, goes there. I wouldn't quite say she rubs the bottle like Aladdin, but she kind of, you know, touches it a little bit. And boom! We got a gigantic Idris Elba. Um, thankfully not nude. He's got like some sort of like body art covering his lower area, but jacked up enormous, threatening to break the entire hotel room. Oh my God, I have a real life genie in my house. Uh, room service comes. He somehow is able to shrink himself down to the Idris Elba that we now know and love. And they start having a conversation. He very quickly tells her, hey, I'm a djinn. Okay, what's the, what, I'm sorry, what? I'm, I'm a genie. I'm actually a djinn. So, you know, I got three wishes for you. And all I'm thinking about is Aladdin, because much like Cody, I yeah. watch kids' films often. So I'm just like, oh, I'm trying to compare this guy to Robin Williams a little bit. I'm like, eh, I kind of wish this was more like Aladdin. He, he'd start singing friend like me. But okay, I guess it's a different kind of a movie. But he does classically have the three wishes, and unlike Aladdin, which Robin Williams does that great bit where he's like, I can't, can't make anybody fall in love, I can't make you kill anybody, and I can't make you wish for more wishes. The only thing this djinn says is you can't wish for more wishes, but does not mention the love aspect. So I'm like, oh, you could actually make somebody fall in love. So I'm thinking, wow, if I had three wishes, I'm like, I want to fall in love with Kim Kardashian. I'm like, okay, we can make that happen. Again, I guess falling in love wouldn't be an issue. Kim Kardashian falling in love with me would be the wish. Would that be one of your wishes? No, but I'm just your saying, wife would be. Okay. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying my first thought was like, because okay. normally you're like, hey, you can't make anyone fall in love. Put it on the scroll, Adnan and, and, Mich- and Missy. Guillermo, put it on the poll. Would one of your three wishes be Kim Kardashian falls in love with me? Because then I've got a beautiful woman and she's rich. And I can ask her about Pete Davidson. I'm like, hey, my buddy Cody thinks it's cool. I was down on that. What happened there? Anyways, the gin starts telling his life story. And... It's kind of like when you're watching a film, you realize it's just not for you. Because I thought it would be more about the djinn and Tilda Swinton, but instead it's about the djinn and his life story. So he starts telling the story how he's been screwed in the past, and he goes way back in the Middle Ages, and you know the bottle was found by this person, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I'm really not feeling this story. But it's Sob like... Sob stories from the genie. Sob <laughs> stories from the genie. Perfect. That's the better title for this movie. We got it. That's the title <laughs> of this week's episode. Sob stories from the genie. Oh, here's how I was hurt by love and hurt by women, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I don't care. 30 minutes in. Okay. Oh, can I tell you another story of how I got burned by a woman? I'm like, oh my God. Is it, this is just sob stories of the genie. Another 30 minute story. Okay, great. Now we're an hour into the movie. I'm like, how long is this movie? It's only an hour and 45 minutes. Okay, now we get to what their version is. Okay, and spoiler alert. She wants to fall in love with him. I'm like, okay, wow, this is, this is what you want. 3,000 years of longing, 3,000 years of waiting for a black gin to show up. That's Tilda Swinton's love. So she's like, I realize after hearing your sob stories, how you've been burned by love, I, I want to be with you. I want to be living in the bottle with you. I, I'm just a lonely, pathetic old British living woman. Living in the bottle with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this, this is your, like, wow, what a wish to go for. Because at one point, she's very flippant. She's like, oh, I have three wishes, fine. I want to eat this food right now. I want the, you know, I want you to close the window. There's, he's like, those are not wishes. Like, don't be crass with me. But she says, I want to be with you. So now the gin I've got is him, with her. I've got him being like, listen, it's a little tight in this, in this bottle already. Uh, wasn't exactly looking to double the occupancy in here. Yeah, I'm trying to get out. I don't want to go back in here. Okay, look, what's the issue here? But he's like, all right, you're out of the gym. Yeah, so now she flies back with him to England, but he has to, she has to put him back in the bottle. So it's just bizarre scene of going through security check. And she's like, no, don't put the security check. He's like, we, we need to put all your stuff there. She's like, no, no, it's nothing. It's just some, it's just some perfume. It's just this relic. He's like, no, don't do that. She freaks out. Like, oh my God. You obviously do not see the genie, to be clear. It's just a bottle being put through an x-ray machine. But of course, the genie's inside. She doesn't want to be impacted by this. What could the x-rays do to him? And the Turkish guy's like, well, what is your problem? Just create like, a yeah. big scene. That'll help yeah. at an airport. That'll just help make you. a big scene exactly. about it. <laughs> because you're upset about your freaking perfume little holder. Like, what is going on here? So she takes him back, goes to England. Apparently, she has some horribly bigoted, bigoted neighbors out of nowhere that are just complaining about foreigners, this and that. So then she just shows up with the Drew Elba. She's like, oh, here's my new friend, by the way. And he makes this wonderful uh, Middle Eastern food. Oh, thank you. Nice to meet you. Okay, cool. And now they start living their life. I'm like, God, this definitely took a turn. So Jeannie sob stories. Now he's living a life with her, uh, but there has to be a wrinkle to this. And this fits with like those alien outsider movies, like... All of a sudden, he can't live here because the transmitters. That's right. The, the, he, she comes home one day, and he's like almost like ashy. And she's like, what's happening? Like, you're dying. What's happening? He's like, oh, oh. He gets awoken. And then he's like, oh, I was just sleeping. And she goes, gins don't sleep. And he's like, no. She goes, oh, my God. It's because of the chemical rays of the world. Like, the, you can't live in the 21st century. It's not meant for you. She's like, okay, here's my wish. You know, if it's not meant to, if you're not meant to live with me, then, you know, go live your life elsewhere. So that essentially is 3,000 years of longing. It's about self-sacrifice and giving up one for love. 
and I don't want to give away the actual ending. I've already spoiled enough of the film, but the actual ending I did think was genuine and sweet. And I just want to warn people, though. You think, again, Mad Max Fury Road? That's what they say the director of. I'm like, well, he's also directed you know, some other movies. So this isn't quite like that. It's not an action movie. It is a fantasy film. It's very sweet. Polarizing reaction. Got mixed reviews it can. I think if you check Rotten Tomatoes, it's in the 60%. And I, I could see that. I think, to Chris's point, it's intriguing because you're like, oh, 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 genie, something different. And it's definitely got cool production design and different ideas to it. But as far as being a cohesive story, I would not say it's that. And it definitely feels, in many ways, like a bit of a letdown. Anyways, I'm going to give it two and a half Maple Leafs. That is 3,000 years of longing currently in theaters. What I really want to talk about, though, is a couple old movies. The 35th anniversary of broadcast news. Chris, you work in radio, but you've worked in television. Your show has obviously been on television mm-hmm. for a while. Have you ever seen broadcast news? Nope. Have you heard of broadcast news? Like, if you've yes. dropped it, yeah, if you've heard of it, if, I, if you mention it to Dan, Dan will definitely have an opinion on it. I had heard of it, but never okay. seen it. I'm curious when you, when you drop it on Dan. Maybe I'll text him after. Ask him his thoughts on broadcast news. Because people of a certain age, and like everyone knows, if you work in television, there's really only a couple movies that come up. Network, of course, the great film, 1976. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Uh, stars Peter Finch, who won Best Actor, uh, William Holden, Faye Dunaway, Robert Duvall. And you think of broadcast news, which is Chris said, if you see the poster, if you work in TV, you got the bars and tone, William Hurt, Holly Hunter, and the great Albert Brooks, who we'll get to in a second. The story is this. It's a love triangle, and it's unique because I think the fact that dialogue is so good that the characters come really alive and ends up being really fresh and I think a lot more funnier than you end up thinking at first glance. It's from James L. Brooks, who wrote, produced, and directed Terms of Endearment, which was a massive hit. You know, nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, wins a bushel full of Oscars, uh, Nicholson Supporting Actor, Shirley MacLaine, of course, famous scene in the hospital. So this was his follow-up film, 98% Rotten Tomatoes, like just, just scorching off the top uh, rope what the kind of reviews are like. And the story is this. It's an intelligent satire of American television news. A highly strung news producer, that's Holly Hunter playing Jane Craig, finds herself strangely attached to a vapid anchorman, that's William Hurt, even though she loathes everything he personifies. To make matters worse, her best friend, a talented but not particularly telegenic news reporter, that's Albert Brooks, is secretly in love with her. So you get this love triangle and you go, I've seen love triangles before, I don't want to see this movie, except the fact it's really, really funny. And... I think Holly Hunter's character, she's definitely feisty. She's snippy. She's the know-it-all producer. You've seen this kind of character before. But in 1987, this was unique. This was like a working woman trying to balance her personal life and her professional life. And she should be with Albert Brooks's character. He is super smart. He's very vulnerable. He opens his heart to her. But he's kind of nerdy, right? He's not the guy that you think of when you're thinking of a network TV anchor. You think of William Hurt, blonde handsome, deep voice, except the fact vapid is the perfect word for it. He's empty. He's actually, wait for it, a sportscaster who has now been pushed into the news department because of the fact he's a good-looking guy and he fits the rule. But he's not just a dummy. And I think that's the greatness of William Hurt's performance. He could have just played this movie like he's just this handsome hunk. Like, here I am. Look at me. But he's smart enough to know that handsome people know they're handsome. And they know how to use their looks. And he is very good at being on television and using his looks and communicating with the camera. So this is not to say all people on TV are handsome. Of course they're not. Look at me. But... They know how to use the camera. They know how to use whatever they have at their disposal. And Jane knows how to use her disposal. And one of the best scenes in the movie, which Cody would appreciate, she's in his ear navigating this Middle East crisis. And, you know, I've worked in TV for 20 years. I have so many people in my ear who are smarter than me, producers, researchers, directors, telling me, feeding me stats, feeding me information. So it looks like I know all these things. And of course, I don't know these things. But in the moment, they make you look good. And that it... The movie does it so well that yeah. Albert Brooks at one point calls her and tells her, hey, tell him, blah, 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 blah. She goes, hangs on the phone. And she just whispers in his ear, the uh, shah, blah, 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 And he's like, and he, he just, na- by the way, here's the greatness of him as a broadcaster. He nails it. You know, it's, it's one thing, as my wife often says, she goes, no, it must be hard to talk and have someone talking in your ear at the same time. I'm like, yeah, it is a skill that you learn after a while. And that's what he's able to nail. She's giving him serious information. He's able to nail it in a very concrete manner. And it's, it's one of the best scenes of the movie. And, and afterwards, he's talking to her and he goes, you know, like sex, you know, having your voice inside of me. And you really get the sense for these people, making television news is better than sex. Clearly, this is their sexual drive, this adrenaline push. People don't know that that's how we do this podcast, too. You don't actually know shit about movies. I'm just constantly feeding you, like, yeah. what happened. Like, right. right before we start here, Adnan's like, I didn't watch it. What happened? Yeah. And I got to tell him. And right. then he... 
I'm like, and Cody, just, just pretend like, you haven't seen anything and just give me all the good right, stuff. Like, right, right. I'll play. I'll be the guy yeah. that hasn't seen an ad in. It's fine. Yeah. I'll wear that. I'm the producer. You, right. I'll tell you all the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll go to IMDb. It's fine. One of the best scenes, which which predates Cody working in the industry, because he's only 34, but I am 44. So I, when I first started in the industry, it was 98 at TSN. Back then, it wasn't digital. You actually had tapes. So you would, if I'm watching the Yankee game, I would have a gigantic freaking tape, three by four, plunk that sucker in, record, and you'd write down, okay, uh, 10717, Bernie Williams home run. Okay, I'm going to use that 10 seconds. Roger Clemens strikeout, 212. At the end of it, you you pop the sucker out. You go in the editing suite, you pop it in. Editor actually physically tapes it. And then afterwards, you take that physical tape and you go in there and somebody has all these tapes lined up. Okay, Blue Jays highlight, Yankees highlight, Tigers highlight, et cetera. So one of the funniest scenes the movie Jane Joan Cusack is the news producer I'm like get the tape get the tape and she pops the tape and she's just running across the news sprinting filing cabinets are being opened she's diving underneath and balletic plugs it into the videotape editor just at the last second it's a very dated scene but it's a very funny scene as well um, that's one of the best scenes actually the funniest scene what it's known for is our man Albert Brooks so he finally gets his chance he realizes he's in danger of being fired He's not the guy, right? William Hurt is the handsome news anchor. He's just a really smart reporter who, as he says, is destined to work in Portland one day. I'll be the smartest guy in Portland, but I just don't look like a conventional TV anchor. But you got to get me a job. you got to get me some anchoring experience before I get fired for my reel. His news producer goes, no problem. I got you covered. So he gets his chance on a night where William Hurt is taking out Holly Hunter. So the love triangle is developing. She should be with Albert Brooks' character. He's smart. He's talented. But he's not particularly handsome. She's attracted to William Hurt, who's dumb and empty, but handsome, and, and he's the star, and you know, the way women work, the way men work. This is what life is, right? His chance where he goes on air, he's all excited, <laughs> and he ends up giving the newscast, in a very famous scene, I'm not spoiling this, he starts sweating. Except he's not sweating, he's sweating bullets. He is dripping. Watching the movie again, I hadn't seen it in 30 years, I thought the scene was longer because it's such a great scene. I'm like, I thought it was like a five-minute scene. It's only a minute and a half, but it's so memorable because the way his sweat starts dripping. And at one point, I mean, he's lit, it's like a, like a scene of Airplane or the Naked Gun. He's just, just right. soaked down there. And, and he's talking about people dying. And he goes, uh, you know, 22 miners were dead. Pause. I wish I was one of them. <laughs> and afterwards, when you know, Jane is talking to William Hurt's character about, like, you know, it was unprecedented, wasn't it? He's like, well, not unless you count singing in the rain. Like, the, the way the fact is pouring down there. He's like, this is more than Nixon's ever sweated. But he realizes in that moment, hey, I'm not cut out to be a news anchor. You know, I'm a guy who's a reporter. I'm going to work in a small market. We go from there. So they end up revealing the whole uh, love triangle, I think, in a very satisfactory manner. Although here's what ends up happening. William Hurt gets a promotion. He's going to London to be the guy. Holly Hunter's like, all right, I'll go with you. We're going to be a couple. But the major story he does, what makes his career is about date rape. And there's one scene where he's talking to one of the victims in which he tears up. And Brooks, in which he's giving an impassioned speech, is like, don't go with him. Like, he's the devil. Like, he's the kind of person you're not with. You're too smart for him. Like, he's shallow. And he goes, here's the big thing. There was only one camera at that shoot. And she walks out. If you're a non-TV person, you go, why is that important? Well, what it means is, as they reveal, is that one camera was on the victim, but then after she was done, Herc goes, hey, turn the camera on me. And then he forced himself to cry, do a little fake cry, and then cut it in there looking as if it was seamless. Yeah. So they go to the airport. They're ready to go fly away for a week on vacation before he goes to his new job in London. And she goes, there was only one camera there. It's a little melodramatic. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, there was only one camera. Like, you, you faked the tears. He's like, I was crying when she was telling the story, but it's television. Like, you've got to fake these things. Like, what do you, I don't have two cameras. So it's good television. You've got to sell these things. I'm totally with him. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And she decides not to go with him on this trip and end their relationship over this. This is the classic, well, I'm a woman of principle. I'm like, no, like, yeah. you clearly, it doesn't make any sense. You work in television. You wouldn't know this. And Roger I was going to say, TV people would get that. Roger Ebert, in his review, said experienced TV people would not be surprised the fact that he switched the camera around and then forced himself to cry for what's called a cutaway. Like, that happens all the time. Why would she be so offended by this? She ends the relationship with this guy because of this. I'm like, why? Because he fake cried? Like, he didn't fake cry. He cried in the moment. And okay, let's suppose he completely fake cried. Let's suppose he doesn't care about date rape. Every day, these guys report on stories of kids dying and people being murdered. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they have no reaction to any of this stuff. You're completely numb to it. That's part of your job as a newscaster. So <laughs> I, I did find it very amusing that that apparently is her drawing line. Jack Nicholson, by the way, we're on a real Jack Nicholson kick here. He has a unbilled supporting role. He plays like the head honcho. He's like their Dan Rather, Tom Brokaw. 
he doesn't do a lot in the film, but he's got a couple of really funny scenes, including one scene where there's being cutbacks. And normally he just stays on his island, but this time he starts walking through just to kind of offer condolences. And he's like, oh, I can't believe these people are losing their jobs, hardworking people. And the boss says to him, like, well, you know, if you knocked a million dollars off your salary, it might save a few jobs. And the look that Nicholson gives him, like, hey, like, I'm sympathetic, but I'm not going to lose a million dollars. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, let's be real here, okay? I appreciate everybody's hard work, but I am who I am. Uh, what's, the mo- what's the nerdy, what's the most nervous, sweatiest you've been on TV before? Been on TV. Well, it's one of my great thinking of that when I'm trying to, I don't, I know I probably earlier in my career, I'm sure I got nervous. And was was it like maybe the first WWE thing? Like, were you nervous before that? I mean, I was definitely nervous there. You're right. But I wasn't like sweaty. I was definitely nervous. I think, I think, I mean, I went to my ass this guy, Jim Van Horn, classic TSN anchor. I said, do you still get nervous for every show? And he goes, I wouldn't use the word nervous. I would call it excited. I'm like, that's a good point. He goes, you're kind of nervous. But in a good way, if you're not nervous, like if you're kind of bored, then yeah. <laughs> that's not good. So a little right. nervous, turned excited, adrenaline's going, but, you're good to go. But there's not like one in your career, one moment was like, dude, I was like, I liked in my armpits afterward. Like, there's just like, that's wild. I mean, you're yeah. just, a, it's not surprising though. You're a no, pro's I, pro I appreciate it. Maybe I could think of one time, in college football, we went there and the monitor went out and we had like a three minute highlight. It was me, Paul Feinbaum, and I want to say Palmer and Galloway, who I normally worked with. And I remember afterwards, Feinbaum goes, that was incredible because the monitor was out, but we had to narrate the highlights as if we were seeing them. And I'm, afterwards, I'm like, okay, we probably blew it. They're like, what do you mean? I go, I, I didn't have a monitor. They go, it was seamless. It looked good to us. And Feinbaum goes, wow. that, that, but that is pure luck, though. Like, that was honestly luck. It was really yeah. nothing I did. But Feinbaum, I remember, was like, that's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. I'm like, well, dude, I, I couldn't do it twice in a row. Was, Your Feinbaum oh. sounds just like John Skipper. <laughs> I must tell you, I'm very impressed by this. Can we get Phyllis on the line? Phyllis here on the SEC Network? Uh, that is the 35th anniversary of broadcast news. I must mention, by the way, Scott Spinelli, who is super funny. He's got a podcast called That's What They Said. Him and Serena Morales. Serena, of course, former ESPN colleague as well. He sent me a couple messages. I said to him, I'm going to watch broadcast news. So I do have to include Spinelli's thoughts on this. He said, Albert Brooks may be the last example of a leading or even semi-leading man in a movie that big with that much chest hair. Same goes for William Hurt as it relates to men with blonde hair. I realize Hurt is a shallow character, but he was going away on vacation for a week with almost no baggage whatsoever. So <laughs> it's a very good criticism. Albert Brooks was the best part of the film. Um, Holly Hunter's accent, tough. It is true. It sounds like she's chewing on her cud. Some of the things they attempted to capture with the relationships within a TV station, wildly off base. A, the notion that the lead anchor of the station is even remotely consulted on matters like staff cutbacks. Like, could, yeah, you, right. like, could you imagine they go to Bob Lee, like, hey, we're going to lay off some guys in, uh, in remote. Is okay whatever you say (laughs) the intensely close relationship producers and talent have as if it's all just one big friend group family Cody can attest to that you're friends with Billy you're friends with Roy but it's not like you guys are hanging out every day like you got family like the opposite you work you see each other so much at work that you don't really hang out a lot (laughs) yeah you think we're hanging out on a Saturday night like no I got things to do I don't want to see these people Uh, see the notion the lead anchor has a say in personnel decisions for the various bureaus again imagine if Levitard was dictating what exactly the entire station was going to be doing that's not happening and how much time they actually actually spent sitting around watching the actual news as if they weren't making the news. Exactly. You don't even have time to watch sports all the time if you actually work in sports. You're too busy working all the time anyways. Good stuff there from Scott Spinelli. I'm going to be much quicker on the Big Chill, and then we're going to get to our friend Claire Atkins, because guess what? Wasn't crazy about the Big Chill. I finally saw it. 40th anniversary next year. A group of seven former college friends gather for a weekend reunion at a South Carolina vacation home after the funeral of another of their college friends. It's co-written by Lawrence Kasdan, directed by Lawrence Kasdan. But i got to be honest, I found it very dated. I know this is supposed to be a story about having all these friends together doing their thing, but honestly, aside from exceptional cast, I found much of the story very dry and drawn out. Tom Berenger playing an actor, Jeff Goldblum, Kevin Klein, Southern Accent and all, Glenn Close, William Hurt, Joe Beth Williams and others. Essentially, I found these characters be often quite unlikable. They're very self-absorbed. Um, you know, they're, they're focusing on their friend who committed suicide. By the way, is Kevin Costner. I, I didn't realize they don't actually show Kevin Costner. In the original film, they had flashbacks of Kevin Costner, but Lawrence Kasdan decided to omit all of that. It's a cool little trivia. Costner is the guy who's in the casket, even though you never see him. But the big shelf for me as a film was disappointing. What I can tell you is the soundtrack is one of the top 10 soundtracks of all time. This is what a banger this soundtrack is, Okay. Ready for this? Ten songs. Ten songs of the Big Chill soundtrack. Everyone's a winner. And in fact, the Big Chill soundtrack, if you just Google it, it's like ground zero for 80s movie soundtracks. Like the 80s movie soundtracks used to be a thing. And one of the big reasons why is the Big Chill. Motown heavy. I heard it through the grapevine. My Girl. Good Lovin' by the Rascals. Tracks of My Tears. Smokey Robinson. Joy to the World. Three Dog Night. Ain't Too Proud to Beg. I second that emotion. Smokey again. Tell Him. A Whiter Shade of Pale. 
uh, and Natural Woman, Aretha Franklin. All-time great soundtrack. Film to me was a disappointment, but all-time great soundtrack. I'm putting those 10 songs in the top 10 movie soundtracks of all time. A couple of blurbs here from The Big Chill. Arthur Knight of The Hollywood Reporter. What might have been a meaningful exploration of the changes wrought by 20 years of abrasive reality is diverted, essentially, into who's going to wind up sleeping with whom. That's of Arthur Knight of Hollywood Reporter. Exactly. Rather than mourn their dead friend, hey, who's going to bang who? Kyle Smith of National Review. As funny, deeply felt, and expressive of its character's pain as the film is. And I've always loved it since watching it many times on HBO at age 18. Today, it's fascinating for its obtuseness. Obtuse, by the way, just a fantastic word. If you want to, like, I looked at obtuse and I go, What's that? that's right. I Googled it and it goes, annoyingly insensitive or slow to understand. That is the big chill. And Dave Keir of Chicago Reader, there is no place for depth or nuance in this sleek engineered complacency machine. I'm giving the big chill only two Maple Leafs. Wow. Broadcast news, four Maple Leafs, 3,000 years of longing, two and a half, the big chill, two Maple Leafs. And now it's time for our friend, Claire Atkins. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, howdy, folks. This is your captain speaking. Getting word from the flight deck, we are clear for takeoff. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Up in the Air with Claire. As mentioned, by popular demand, Up in the Air with Claire. That's right, Claire Atkins is back, USC film grad. She is single-handedly keeping the ACC network afloat. Welcome back, college football. <laughs> she has a wonderful dog, Mumford. She has an even better husband, Dan, who is locked into all things crypto. Cody, any crypto questions, you can direct to Dan Roberts. He will hook you up there. Big ETH guy, big ETH okay, guy Okay, good news. Oh, it's all about the merge. It's all about the merge. <laughs> Before we get into Claire's thoughts on the Venice Film Festival, summer movies, etc., your, your, your summer was unbelievable. Like, you are the classic, and I say this with affection, dinks. Double income, no kids. Like, you and Dan just get after it. I'm like, I go, how the hell do they think? Oh, oh that's Dude, right. I follow, I follow Claire on Instagram. I've been jealous multiple times yeah. in the last few months of the trip she's on. First, it was her honeymoon. Yes. I accepted that. And now it was just another one a few months back. I'm, I'm with you on this. Great trips. I was like, how does she do this? I'm like, oh, she doesn't have four kids. That's right. Oh, she's able to do these things. Okay, no yeah. problem. Yeah, no, it's it is it's very true. We are we are the standard dink couple. Uh, <laughs> I'd like I'd like to thank um, my friends for getting married and foreign and exotic places uh, for for making these trips um, something that we can do. Uh, I will say for everybody looking for a very exotic location that is not Iceland, everyone should go to the Faroe Islands. It's a small group of islands between Norway and Iceland. And it's everything that Iceland gives you without the people. So uh, I'm a big proponent. And I I hope you all will put that on your future travels. You can all follow Claire on Instagram. Claire underscore E underscore Atkins. Uh, Her latest post, hysterical. I can't even pronounce the place. I believe it's pronounced Mulafasur. But even better is her caption, which is only something indie movie fans will appreciate. Blue is the warmest color, which is a reference to a three-hour lesbian film film which was absolutely tremendous i mean i couldn't think of a better caption you could put to that if it's a period piece and it involves lesbians i mean i'm the first one in the theater so <laughs> all right let's get into uh wait, wait by the way tell us where, where was the place that i texted you and i go it looks like you're in the setting of midsommar was that these islands in between iceland and norway yeah oh yeah yeah where it's just basically like sheep and you just if florence Pugh is just gonna walk walk through the gates uh absolutely um and florence Pugh is truly uh, the transition piece to Please. don't worry darling to... let's get into it let's, yes that's exactly what yes. i thought we were gonna start this with summer movies yeah. but 
past September 1st, we're moving on. We've moved on. The Venice Film Festival has brought the greatest drama to this industry uh, that I've seen in years. And I, I hope you all are paying attention. If you're not, the Sparknotes version of it is that Don't Worry Darling is a thriller directed by Olivia Wilde that is coming out in a couple weeks. It stars Florence Pugh, Nick Kroll, Chris Pine, and her current boyfriend, Harry Styles. Harry's not an actor per se. Uh, he had a little bit part in Dunkirk, but this is his first leading film. And needless to say, it, it has come out that uh, most of the cast isn't happy with Olivia Wilde. They weren't happy with her and Harry Styles getting together on the set. And it all truly came to fruition at the Venice Film Festival, where it looked like a group of people that absolutely hated each other. Florence Pugh did not make eye contact with Olivia Wilde. Um, Harry Styles wouldn't look at Olivia Wilde. Harry Styles and Nick Kroll kissed during the ovation. I mean, it was just madness. And the early reviews for this film is that, frankly, it's not very good. Yeah. Um, he's not very good. Florence Pugh is a powerhouse. She can't even carry it. But I think that this is the best thing that could ever happen to it. I think people are going to go see it because of the behind the scenes drama. And not to mention Shia LaBeouf, who comes out as he was the original person to play the leading role in this. And Olivia Wilde comes out and says that he was removed from the film for various reasons. And Shia LaBeouf goes, that's not true at all. I removed myself because there wasn't enough time to rehearse. So I like Olivia Wilde. I want female directors to succeed. We don't have enough of them, but this is not gonna help her reputation moving forward as as an actor's director. So, you know, only time will tell. And for perspective, she did Booksmart, which is a film you and I both loved. Indie hit. Clearly showed that she's got a real touch for her comedy and sensitivity, but you're right. These headlines are hysterical. Harry Styles and Chris Pine spit take. Don't worry, darling, Mm -hmm. we'll explain. The Daily Beast, don't worry, darling. Harry Styles looks lost, but Florence Pugh shines. The internet is talking about everything to do with don't worry, darling, except the movie. Uh, Again, avoiding eye contact, the spats. I mean, this is... This is some juicy gossip here coming from the Venice Film Festival. But like Claire said, most importantly, the film apparently isn't very good. So that's the downside. The good news is The Whale. Six-minute standing ovation. Brendan Fraser. I mean, how pumped are you and me for The Whale? Comeback movie for Brendan Fraser. Let's go. I love a good comeback story. I think we all do in Hollywood. And Brendan Fraser is just the perfect person for that. I don't know anyone that dislikes Brendan Fraser. Like you might say, oh, I don't think he's a very good actor. or He's kind of a dumb actor for some of his roles. But this is going to this is going to be the one to see. Um, But I've also got some other films I'm very excited for this fall. Um, I am very excited for See How They Run, Mm. starring um, Sam, our guy, Sam Rockwell. Yes. It looks like a Knives Out type of film, but I am one of the few people that hated Knives Out. I thought it was just so obvious, <laughs> and knowing what's going to happen in the first five minutes didn't get me. And by the I way, like there's that, a Knives Out sequel coming out this fall, which you're not going to I know. That's what I'm not going to yeah. tell you. that I'm, That's not high on my list. Yeah. But I feel like every film that's about to come out is 1920s, 1930s, mystery, moody, dark, and I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> I am also actually excited for, I think, My Policeman, which is also starring Harry Styles. I think it's going to be the better of his two films, but nobody's going to talk about it until Don't Worry Darling gets out of the headlines. It stars The Crown's Emma Corrin, who plays Diana. So I think it's going to be really good. I'm also very excited for The Menu with Anna Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt. That one looks very eerie, very uh, A24-esque. Are you... Into Don DeLillo's White Noise being made into a film. Have you followed this at all? So I saw the reviews for it. Uh, um, our boy Adam Driver's in it. And I believe I saw one critic said the reviews were respectful, which sounds a little muted yeah. considering it's our guy Noah Baumbach coming off a marriage story. You'd expect this is going to be a gigantic Oscar tender. Respectful sounds to me like, eh. And DeLillo, I mean, normally his novels are unfilmable, they say. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be very good. I mean, I, I don't see how it is going to be, but it's the right cast. Um, of course, there's uh, Empire of the Light, which is Sam Mendes' latest. Roger Deakins, your guy. Olivia Coleman, Colin Firth. It's about the movies. So that to me is like the obvious one that sticks out is like the one the Academy is going to be watching because we know that the Academy loves nothing more than talking about themselves. Todd Field film as well. I thought you'd be all over. Tar, I think it's called. Um, 
Tilda Swinton's playing a classical pianist. Have you heard of this one? Let me double check if I got uh, the right. No, I haven't. I haven't heard of that one. Okay, well, I'll get you the synopsis here in a second. But that's good. My policeman. We got the menu. See how they run. Empire of the Light. What about uh, Wakanda Forever? Uh, <laughs> a new uh, no, Avatar I will, movie? I will, yeah. Yes, I will see Wakanda Forever. I I do see Marvel films. I am a fan of Marvel films. I will say, now going back to summer, that Marvel's in a major lull. I, I think the summer was a dud. I thought Thor was fine. I thought Doctor Strange was fine. Uh, the bright spot was was the Disney Plus show, Mrs. Marvel. Yes. Uh, which I truly think Marvel hits their stride in their TV shows. I've not watched She-Hulk. Um, so, of course, I'll see Wakanda forever. But I- I'm going to need to see that all those movies and the part four of Marvel find a stride again, or I'm going to start to skip out on some of these because it's just, it's just too much to go see versions three and four of all these franchises over and over. I am not going to go see avatar (laughs) two. Just weren't, weren't big on the first one or just tired of the fact we've been to wait like 12 years for the second. It's the 12 year wait. Are we still in? I mean, are we still into avatar? I mean, Cody, are you like, I'm sure you saw avatar. Everyone saw avatar, right? I did see avatar. I gotta watch. You gotta watch it. It's one of those ones that's so big, right? Like, I think I will watch it, but I'm not overly excited about it. It was about the the special effects and the CGI from 12 years ago that made it so special. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like we're 12 years down the road. I, I don't know. That, that, I'm not. I'm not. Excited. I just want that guy to be like, "Welcome to Pandora." <laughs> Like it's basically that's what we're in it for, right? Yeah. Really- Quick thought on She-Hulk. I, I heard it's basically like Ally McBeal, which I was never big on, and Miss Marvel, big with Eamon and the boys. They're lovely. Pakistani yeah. superhero. My kids are loving Miss Marvel, so I'm glad you mentioned that. I think, they're, like you said, they're better with TV than with these movies, which have become a little bit bloated. Uh, the Offer. Dan tweeted about it. Yeah. You guys watched it. Matthew, yeah. good. Let's go. Uh, Matthew, good. I mean, he he was so good. He was. I mean, pun intended. He was so good. <laughs> I mean, he he sounded like he had a cold the entire time as he talks like this. But it's just uh, it's everything you want in a character. And if he's not going to get more recognition for that role, I'm just flabbergasted. Appalling. He didn't get an Emmy nomination. But you mentioned the oh. actress who's also in it. Well, I didn't mention because she's in you the temple. Cr- right. Of course. And, you know, 99 percent of your audience has watched Ted Lasso. Are you <laughs> the, the only person outstanding? She was very cute in it. I, I thought she had a nice little American accent. Yeah. She was a great uh, sidekick. I, I think she it was nice to see her in a new role. Uh, and I think that she'll we'll continue to see her in, in top TV and films. Cody, are you a Ted Lasso guy? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a Ted Lasso guy, except for I, me. It's I've just, tried to get you to do it, man. Like it's you got to do it. It's just too upbeat for I me. I think you're just. I think you're just not doing it now to spite everybody. <laughs> and then you're an upbeat guy. Like too I know, upbeat. but it's the first thing someone said to me. They go, "It's such a good show because you know how so many shows are dark and negative." I said, "Yeah." They go, "Ted Lasso is great because it's so upbeat and sentimental and fun." I go, "Yeah, that's not something I'd like." I go, eh, I don't need that. They go, no, it's, it's so good. It puts a smile on your face. They go, eh. Me and Claire like stuff like this. Tar, a 2022 psychological drama written and directed by Todd Field, first film since Little Children, starring Clay Blanchett as a renowned conductor and composer in the international world of classical music. October 7th, we're going to be watching Tar. That's going to be fantastic. I mean, it's if it sounds anything like Phantom Thread, which it does <laughs> yes. there, uh, yes, we'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. The big uh, upset of the summer, which literally hurt me to my core because I know no matter what Claire and I see eye to eye 90 95% of the time and she'll say yeah you you gear a little too much in these gangster movies okay fine I'm fond for some period pieces you're not going to like but this was the one I felt so confident she'd be with me and she wasn't because she liked Top Gun Maverick like every other person out there how could you do this to me because the theater was a thrill I felt like I was on a roller coaster (laughs) it was the true movie theater experience I was there on a Tuesday night and it's sold out in a tiny town in the Hudson Valley. I mean, (laughs) that's what we need if we're going to get tar in theaters and people in seats for that. We need Top Gun. I can respect it. What is this lane that Adnan is trying to carve out here of like anti-Ted Lasso and (laughs) anti-Top Gun? Like it's just, it's just a lane I haven't. it's popular, it can't possibly be fun. I just, I can't support it. Why do you not want to have fun at the movies? That's what I don't get. Normally you're with me on this. Like you and I are watching in the bedroom and we're getting excited. And people are going, oh my God, what is this dark psychological drama? And now you're watching Top Gun Maverick. I'm like, no, boo. 
Um, overall, it was like a lame summer slate, though, oh, right? So lame. I mean, you know, I saw Elvis. I, like oh. you, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I thought Austin Butler was very good. Did you hear um, Elvis on our show? <laughs> no, I tell you, he was here. We had Elvis. Don't worry, you can catch up. Not quite Austin Butler. <laughs> you could say it was close. I wasn't sure. It might have been him. Uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is in a bad stretch. Did you see the ads for Pinocchio that's coming out? <laughs> that's him? That is a great yeah. segue. I saw that. I was like, that looks like Tom Hanks, but he would never do that. I don't, I, what are, what's going on? Yeah. What are we doing here? Modern day Jimmy Stewart, America's most beloved actor, just mailing it in. He just wants money. He's like, you know what? I'll, I'll go do the... Cr- is that- it Disney Plus, Disney Plus Day, September 8th, Pinocchio? Yeah. I'm in. Robert Zemeckis, sure. Give me a ton of money. Polar Express, I'll do it. I don't care. Claire, that's like a Razzie-worthy performance in Elvis. Like, I, yeah. I was stunned how yeah. bad it was. Like, I've only seen this movie. It was it's really fun. bad. Uh, yeah, real, really lame summer movies. I would say, you know, one little bright spot and in, in the streaming world was Fire Island. Did either of you see that? Didn't see Fire Island, but I did hear about it. Tell us about it. Um, you know, it was actually a, a, a modern gay take on Emma. Mm-hmm. And it was it was funny. It was bright. It was uh, by Bone Yang. Bone Yang was great in it. And Joel... Uh, Joel Booster and I just learned a lot about uh, the gay community and I think it was educational and light and funny and you know pulled at my heartstrings and I think uh, if you're just looking for that on a rainy afternoon you should tune into Fire Island on Hulu. All right, Fire Island at least is going to be something. Now, the thing I really wanted to talk about, but I couldn't make you suffer through it because anything I see with period pieces and like scathing reviews of Jane Austen adaptations, but I, I wouldn't actually make you want to watch it. Persuasion. Just getting... Okay. Compl- I, watched it for, I watched it for you. Yeah. I watched it for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> There's been a lot of period pieces recently that have... It all started with Marie Antoinette Kirsten Dunst, Sofia Coppola, that was, we're going to bring in these modern elements to spice it up, shock the audience. We're not your grandma's version of this. And the problem is you either have to go all in or it's not going to work. And so in this adaptation of Persuasion, everyone wants to do a, to do a Jane Austen. Um, there are lines like... <laughs> If he's a five in London, he's a 10 in Bath. And, you know, single white woman drinking red wine in the bathtub. And it's just not working. And she breaks the fourth wall, Fleabag style. It's Dakota Johnson plays the lead. And her British accent is in and out. And it's just trying too hard. It's just trying to do too much. Um, I can see why purists really hated it. Critics panned it. Audience higher rating again if you're sick at home saturday afternoon not during football season and you just are looking for something light fine watch it but it doesn't do jane austen any favors it is not it is not one of the the better tellings of persuasion i would tell you if you're into uh movies like this please go watch personal history of david copperfield which i have Dave Patel. Yeah. With Dave Patel. Yeah. Um, and go watch Emma with uh, Anna Taylor-Joy who came out a few years ago. That is really funny and really witty and exactly what a Jane Austen movie should be. So um, those are my better recommendations if you're looking for a lighthearted period piece. And again, if you're a Bridgerton viewer, which is a whole nother category of the period piece because... Bridgerton is pure trash. It is pure filth. It is enjoyable to watch. There's nothing <laughs> accurate about it. There's nothing historical truthfulness in it. If you like Bridgerton, you'll probably like Persuasion. But don't watch it with your grandmother. And Persuasion, we get Henry Golding. So that's one upside. Yeah, here. I mean, yeah, you've got some cute names in there, him being one of them. But they just nobody does anything. Dakota Johnson, again, half American, half British, doesn't really work. It's a Sparknotes version. It kind of dumbs it down for the audience. I, you know, it, it's a no. Couple more here. Emmy Awards coming up next week. You and I still fans, avid fans of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I feel like it's been overcome here by the Ted Lasso undercurrent. Most people would say of Maisel, A, they confuse it with Miss Marvel. Like, no, no, it's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. And they kind of feel like, eh, Lost a little juice. First two seasons good. But you and I still like it. I still think it's an enjoyable, I still like fun it. Purpose. I still think it's one of the most beautifully shot shows. Um, 
but yeah, I, it's kind of it's kind of lost what made it so wow factor. Um, it, it's kind of still using the same tricks. I think that the, there's nothing new there. So I understand that that's filming its final season right now in New York, yeah. and I'm excited for it. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's gonna be. I think it might it might fly under the radar this year. I remember season two. You were so excited. You saw it before me, and you go, "You're gonna love Tony Shalhoub in Paris." He's the best. Put him him in everything. He's the best. Cody, any closing thoughts? Any questions you have for Claire? I'm just excited and I appreciate Claire because she, in her interview, and I think it might have been the birthday note. She said it on the episode and I believe in the birthday note she gave you. And it's kind of stuck with me and I realize that I agree agree with her. Less Less plot, plot, the better. Like it's something I had never really considered and then she said it and I've realized since then that movies I watch, I'm like, yep, I'm with Claire. Less plot. Just give me the good stuff. I think we're just, we as an audience, they think we're so dumb and that, w- that we have to be constantly stimulated. And I guess that's, you know, that's your Top Gun Maverick. But I think we're smarter than that. I think we can handle good character play. Last two. Ian, your middle name stands for, I'm going to guess, Cody, you guess too. Elizabeth. Claire's from Nashville. I feel like it's got to be like oh. a, I don't think it's an Eleanor Maybe it's uh, an Elizabeth, Evelyn. Elizabeth is always the guest. Uh, you'll never guess. Okay, Eleanor. I know. Okay, it's Eleanor, Evelyn, or Emma were my three guesses. It's it's Eastman. Eastman. Yeah, we're not Eastman. 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 That's right. Very southern. Very very southern. Old school. Okay, and last one. Can you give us a limited John Skipper? Because we've been doing a little. Just just give us a couple sentences, if you could, of John Skipper. If he was talking to you, giving feedback on the ACC. Limited fake. I thought y'all went out there and it was a good show today, but I'd like to see a little bit more from you when you're taking those camera shots. Bring it around. That's all you need. Just bring the camera around. That's what the audience wants. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> now do Lindsey Graham. You could do Lindsey Graham too. No, I refuse to do Lindsey Graham. And the fact that you even brought him up on this interview is just a travesty for me. Thumbs down on Lindsey Graham, Claire's mom. Thumbs down on Lindsey Graham. No thanks. But limited jaws camper. To recap, check out Fire Island. Thumbs down on Persuasion. She and I both hype for see how they run for our man Sam Rockwell. We loved an American Buffalo. And two thumbs up, Empire of the Light, Deacons, Mendes, Firth. Let's go. It's going to be awesome. You can follow Claire. Claire underscore E for Eastman underscore E Atkins. Uh, That's on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Um, Awesome job, Claire. Great to see you. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks once again. Up in the air with Claire. Uh, As always, she offers great insight and fun. Next week, I have no idea what we're doing, but plenty more good movies coming down. New movies, old movies. We're now into the fall festival. Can't wait for The Whale. Until then, I'll see you at the movies.